Saturday morning, Cincinnati, Ohio. Hot, muggy, but it's Saturday, and that's a good thing. Hope you had a great week and are having a great weekend. My name is Sean Barkley. If this is your first stop at the well, welcome. We're glad to have you along for this 15 to 20 minute podcast, which is a devotional, essentially uh, discussing how to live faithfully and wisely as followers of Jesus in this crazy world that we're living in. And so we call it the well because in Christ's day, the well was the place that people went to get life-sustaining water. And of course, God's word and Jesus himself are living water. It was also the place people went to exchange ideas and to socialize. And so that's what we do here. We open God's word, that living water. We also exchange ideas and try to grow in our faith. And so I'm glad you're along. So I like to read psychology today. I'm not a big psychology guy, but it's free online. And also it's free information about what makes us tick as human beings. And I don't think that we can ever learn too much about that. And so a few years ago, there was an article entitled The Most Dangerous Word in the World. The Most Dangerous Word in the World. What do you think that is? Well, subjects, patients, were connected to an MRI, and a scan was taken, a video created of the human brain. And it detected, this video did, neurological changes when a patient heard the word no and saw the word no flash before their eyes for one second. So they're sitting there in the MRI, scan is being taken, video made of the brain, the patient sees the word no flash before his or her eyes, and there is a sudden release of stress-producing hormones and neurotransmitters. In other words, seeing or hearing negativity can make us more anxious, can make us more depressed, can impair our ability to reason or think logically. Something changes when we encounter the negative. And then on the other hand, when the word yes was flashed before the eyes of those same patients, they regain self-control and they regain confidence. And you and I can probably sit here all day and talk about examples when we've had negativity bombard us where we've literally felt like we're going to lose our breath, we felt like we, you know, we suddenly can't see or think or reason. I mean, it changes our chemistry when we experience negativity. And then on the other hand, we know that when we receive affirmation, it does kind of release our confidence and we regain our self-control. And even as I'm talking right now, I, I do think about how, you know, everybody gets a trophy and we can't say anything that's going to be in any way perceived as negative or will be hurt. Our feelings will be hurt, and I, I don't like all that stuff either. But the, the point is true, that when we see the word no or hear the word no, it changes our body chemistry. And when we see or hear the word yes, it changes our body chemistry for the good. So I want to open God's word, the living water, talking about Jesus, who is the living water. And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Start with verse 18. And as I read this, you all, it's going to sound kind of convoluted, but stick with me. So I'm going to read it kind of carefully and slowly. So Paul's writing to these Christians in the first century in Corinth. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me, was not yes and no. But in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, how many do you think are in the Bible? We'll get there in a minute. For no matter how many promises God has made, 
They are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us by the glory of God. So Paul's trying to encourage the Christians, and he's got reason to do that. You see, they were living in Corinth, and it was a crazy, wild place. And, you know, those first century people, they didn't have a Bible to read. And, and so they're, they're, they've entered into this relationship with Christ, and they're trying to make sense of what that's going to look like for their lives, how it's going to be consequential for how they go about their daily living. But they have all kinds of other pressures, and they've got all this other cultural history that they also are a part of. And so they began to look more and more like the culture and less and less like Christ. So Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, and the letter was very corrective, and it sounded harsh. But Paul was basically saying, listen, you've got you've to stop what you're doing because God has greater plans for you, greater hopes for you, and greater expectations for you. Trust him, have faith in him, and grow. And so in the course of his communication with those Corinthian Christians, Paul makes a promise, I'm going to come see you. But then Paul has a change in plans. I mean, stuff happens, doesn't it? I mean, it happens to you, it happens to me. And so he wasn't going to make these multiple trips to Corinth, and so the people begin to feel rejected. And they wonder, can we trust Paul? Can we trust God? I mean, if Paul's saying no to us, maybe God's saying no to us as well. And so Paul is wanting to say, no, God has not rejected you at all. God is yes to you in Christ. And it's interesting to me, he uses two words for yes in the passage. The first word is kind of casual. It's like, yeah, yeah. The second word is actually derived from the Hebrew word for yes, which is translated amen. It's like yes with five exclamation points. It is absolutely, so be it. Yes, yes, yes. That is a powerful idea for you and me. God has said yes to us in Christ. So when we hear the word yes, uh, that means the person saying it wants to see us grow and flourish and experience great joy and satisfaction in life. On the other hand, when we hear the word no, and sometimes, or the negativity, it comes across as, I want you to fail. I'm critical of you. I'm going to cut you down to size and demoralize you. And Paul says, in, in Christ, it is always yes. I want you to grow. I want you to flourish, to experience great joy and satisfaction in life. So when you think of our Father in heaven, do you hear from God a yes or a no? Because there are some of us who hear no, and we don't want to be anywhere near faith because we believe that God is critical. God wants to cut us down to size, demoralize us. God wants us to fail. But Paul says, no, no, that's not the God that we worship. In Christ, because of what he's done for us, he wants us to experience incredible joy and satisfaction. So I, I mentioned the word promise, that there are promises in the Bible. How many do you think there are? Well, according to the numbers that I have read in my study, there are over 7,400 promises made by God in the Bible. God says yes over 7,400 times. I mean, I, I think about the promises that are important to me. God says, don't worry about everything. Instead, pray about everything. And the peace of Christ, which passes all human understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. That's a promise, and I believe that. 7,400 times, God says yes to us. And so we wonder about these promises. God, did you really create me? Yes. God, did you create me with intentionality and design? Yes. God, do you know me? Yes. 
God, do you love me? Yes. God, is there a purpose for my life? Yes. God, will you guide me? Yes. Will you walk with me? Yes. Will you forgive me when I fail? Yes. Will you rebuild my life when it's broken? Yes. Will you help me? Yes. Will you allow me to live with you eternally? Yes, yes, and yes. God wants to say yes to you and me. When you think about a parent, and, and we, we love our children, and, and we want to see our children do well, we want to say yes to our children. And sometimes we say yes too much, maybe, to their detriment. But when it comes to what's going to enable them to grow and flourish and experience joy and satisfaction in life, that is a yes that we want to give them. We don't want to be critical and harsh. We don't want to cut them down to size or demoralize them. Your Father in Heaven and my Father in Heaven is a yes. I mean, that is such a great word to grow by. And so as God has said yes to us, what's our response? Let me read another passage, and this, is a, this would be a great one to memorize. It's from 1 Peter chapter 2, and here's what the apostle writes. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That's a lot of yeses there. <laughs> God's saying, I, I've chosen you, I've made you into a royal priesthood, you are holy, uh, you belong to me. I've done all those things so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What the apostle is saying is we are chosen and affirmed by God. We have heard God's yes, but there's a reason God has said yes to us also, and that is that we will declare God's wonderful praises and we will help those who are in darkness see God's great light. You know, there is this sense that God has said yes to us, but have we said yes back to God? There's a, there's a, a great doctrine, and, and, you know, I don't do a whole lot of doctrine, but doctrine's important. I mean, it, without doctrine, um, there's just kind of floating around feelings and thoughts. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason, and so doctrine really grounds us. And so there's a wonderful doctrine. I'm rambling here. There's a wonderful doctrine, the priesthood of all believers— or the universal priesthood. And what this doctrine teaches, and it dates 500 plus years ago, way back when, is that we all, each one of us, is called to ministry. So about 500 years ago, according to the, quote, church, God's people were divided into two classes. There was the secular class and the spiritual class. And so the spiritual class, those were the priests, those were the ordained clergy. The secular class, that was just the rest of the masses. And Martin Luther just blew the minds of the church when he taught. And Martin Luther was like an early reformer. If you're not familiar with his name, you got to Google him. An amazing guy about 500 years ago. The Protestant Reformation, he sparked it. Martin Luther wrote that all believers are spiritual and all believers have a calling. And so the priesthood of all believers, what it says is that you can go to God directly. You don't need a pastor or some kind of intermediary or to, to make intercessions for you can go directly to God because Christ is right there at his right hand. It also means that you have a ministry. It's not just the ordained clergy who have ministry. There is a universal priesthood. And so, for example, I, I talked to a buddy of mine and he was saying, you know, how's the church going? And I, we were talking about ministry and and our church is a growing church. And he said, you know, you got like 500 people there at that church and you're the only pastor. You know, are you feeling overwhelmed? And I said, I'm really not. 
Because while it's true that I'm the only pastor here, we also have 500 ministers. People who mow, that's a ministry. People who clean, that's a ministry. People who teach or who keep children, that's a ministry. People who cook, that's a ministry. People who visit are sick and lonely, that's a ministry. People who sing in the choir, that's a ministry. People who greet visitors at the door, that is a ministry. The priesthood of all believers. And so have you said yes back to God? Just as God has said yes to you, are you saying it back to God? Have you accepted your ministry? Let me give you a, a kind of a helpful way to think about this. At least this is what's been kind of going on in my mind. Actually, I feel like God gave me this passage to read this week. It's from Deuteronomy 32. And we're bouncing all over the place. We've got Paul, we've got Peter. We're all the way back to Moses in Deuteronomy. Here's what he writes. Like an eagle stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them, and carries the young on its pinions, the Lord alone led him. He's talking about Israel. Basically what, what, what Moses is saying is, okay, think about this. An eagle makes a nest, and the eagle makes the nest pretty comfortable for the young. I mean, there's insulation in there. There's feathers and fur, and so the, the, the young eagles have a very safe, insulated place to live. But after the young begin to grow and reach a certain point, the mother eagle begins removing some of the fur, removing some of the feathers, removing some of the insulation. She's stirring up her nest. And then she literally begins to nudge them out of the nest. Now, the young eagles, they don't like it. I mean, they're hilarious videos on YouTube to watch about. Watch these young eagles, what they do whenever their nest is being stirred. They don't like it. But here's what the mother eagle knows. If those young do not leave the nest, they never learn to fly. And they were born to fly. What is God stirring in your life right now? What is God asking you to say yes to in your life right now? Is the nest being stirred and God saying, spread your wings, I created you to fly. It is yes in Christ. Say yes back to me. And then let me give you one more yes. And that is the yes that we say to the people around us. I mean, we say it a lot at the church I serve. That when the Holy Spirit is leading us through throughout our day, ordinary encounters can become holy moments. An ordinary encounter can become a holy moment where someone is unexpectedly touched by God's grace. You see, there's a purpose in these encounters. They're prearranged and they're ordained by God in many cases. And so at the grocery store, somebody's checking you out. Or, for example, we had some painters at our house this past week. And we were eager for them to finish the job. But we also made sure that we learned each one of their names. And we, we gave them the gift of our time. Because they are human beings created in the image of God. And there were some probably holy moments in those encounters. And so you and I have to ask ourselves, when I encounter another person, am I a yes or am I a no? Am I a yes? Do they sense that I am for them and I want them to flourish? Or am I a no? Do they sense disapproval and a desire to see them fail and to be cut down to size? Our church staff read a book by Dallas Willard a couple years ago entitled Renovation of the Heart. 
And in the book, Willard says these words, every contact with another human being should be one of goodwill. Every time you and I have contact with another human being, it should be, it should be an act of goodwill. I mean, Paul, in his letters, he had this theme when he was instructing the believers how to treat one another. He'd say, greet one another, build one another up. And when I think about greeting one another and building one another up, the word dignify comes to my mind. You and I are to acknowledge the people around us, especially those who might be serving us, whether it be in a restaurant or at the grocery store, or the, the, the convenience store, wherever it might be. The opposite of dignify is to ignore or dismiss. And because, because I'm sinful, there have been times in my life when I've ignored or dismissed. What I've had to do over the years is condition myself to assume the best about the person in front of me and to dignify that person so that my life, when they encounter me, is not a no, rather it is a yes. When I was in seminary, I went to seminary in Atlanta a long time ago. I worked, I had three jobs, and one of the jobs was to work as a church janitor. And when I was hired, I was going to be working in the family life center of a church, which is like a huge gymnasium that racket racquetball, all kinds of great stuff. And I would be just there to... Uh, greet people and pass out athletic equipment. Well, in the fine print, which a lot of us tend to ignore, I certainly did in this case, there was also the instruction that I would be the person who cleaned. And so essentially, I just became the janitor of this big family life center. And it was interesting to me how there were some who just completely mistreated me and just, you know, wouldn't even make eye contact with me, would throw the equipment toward me in, in my direction rather than hand it to me, um, who treated me like I was their servant. And it just was, it was a no. And then there were other people who wanted to know my name, who wanted to know my story, who thanked me for the work I was doing. And in them, I experienced a yes. There are yes people. There are no people out there. Who are you? That's some food to think about, a little bit of living water here on a Saturday morning, I hope. The rest of your weekend is great. We're going to let the wallflowers, 6th Avenue Heartache. I love that song. Take us away. Have a great one. Bye.